Well, as you can tell from Tanya's interrogation of poor Matthew, um, the subject of the message today is truth-telling, um, or the lack of truth-telling. So, um, we are continuing to look at the Sermon on the Mount, and this is a portion of what Jesus taught on that, uh, famous, in that famous sermon that he wrote, and um, that he spoke there on the Mount for the disciples who were following him. He's trying to orient people as to, like, what is it like to be a child of God and to be a member of the kingdom of God and to follow him faithfully. So he's working to develop what discipleship really entails. And so we have looked in the last few weeks at what that is. Last week, we looked specifically at what it meant to be salt and light. And one of those points in being salt was that salt does heal wounds, but salt also can sting a little bit when you put it on the wound. It's going to heal up the wound. It's going to dry up and, 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 and help it to heal, but it also might not feel great at the moment of impact. Well, this might be one of those sermons that doesn't quite feel great at the moment of impact, but I promise you it will heal you. It will help the process of helping you to be a person who has deeper integrity and truthfulness in your life. Because all of us, like Matthew and Tanya and you, if you're honest, at times stretch the truth. That's what we like to call it. But it's actually called lying in the Bible. So let's be biblical people and admit that we are prone to lie at times. We're going to talk about why we do that, and we want to talk about what God thinks of that and what God's remedy for that is. So let's look at God's Word together this morning. The passage is in Matthew chapter 5, so if you could turn in your Bible to Matthew chapter 5. We're going to read a section of it together, so please grab one and, and, and at least open there. Um, I want you to be able to read along. But let's just start with some information about this. And as Americans, we'll talk about what it's like to be an American, because different cultures hold uh, lying and integrity at different levels, but we are here together, um, and surveys show us that Americans lie today more than they ever have before. A recent survey showed that 91% of Americans confessed that they lie daily. The three things that they lie about most are their weight their income, and their age, all right? What's even more amazing with these surveys is that most Americans no longer feel that lying is actually a moral issue at all. It's no big deal. According to the University of Massachusetts study on this topic, 60% of adults cannot have a 10-minute conversation without at least lying once. And the average in that 10-minute conversation was three lies in 10 minutes. So lying seems to be America's favorite pastime, more than baseball. James Patterson wrote a book called The Day America Told the Truth, and in it he says, just about everyone lies. 91% of us lie regularly. The majority of us find it hard to go through a week without lying, unquote. So the question that we come up with then is why are we lying so much? Why do we do it in the first place? Well, we lie to protect ourselves, to avoid punishment, to gain an advantage. We lie to get people on our side so that they'll like us or they'll do what we want them to do. We lie to escape the blame. We, we, we tell 
We say somebody else did that. It was his fault. It was her fault when it was really our fault. We lie to get out of something that we don't want to do. Any of you ever done that? Oh, I'm sorry I'm busy that day. And you're not busy at all, but you're going to make yourself busy because you don't want to do what they asked you to do. We lie to make ourselves look better. We're very self-oriented as people. We know that. And we would like others to think highly of us. So there are times when we lie to make ourselves look better in other people's eyes. And there are times when we lie to protect other people's feelings. Honey, do I look fat in this? You know. So the problem is that we don't actually see any of these reasons as wrong. We rationalize in our minds by saying things like, well, it wasn't really lying. I was just exaggerating. Or I was embellishing a little bit. I was fudging the truth just a little bit. I was just leaving some stuff out so I didn't hurt their feelings. We rationalize it in our minds. We, we easily make it less important. But the problem is, God sees things differently than we do. So this comes up with, this, this brings us to our next question. The next question is, what's wrong with this kind of attitude? What's wrong with, with this kind of, you know, light lying, right? We call it lying light. Well, the problem is that lying has serious consequences because it undermines the bond of trust that should be between individuals. It, un- it undermines that trust that we use to build relationships on, to build community with. The church is a community built on relationships. But if we don't have trust with one another, that community is undermined. That community is not healthy. That community is not vibrant. That community is not a place of safety. That community isn't able to be salt and light in the world because that community is no different than the world itself. See, lying creates a culture like the one we live in currently that is full of dishonesty and distrust and deceit. And the more lies there are in a society, the more difficult it is to determine what is really true. You can't trust anybody. You don't know what's true, what's not true. Think about what has happened to our society in just the past decade. Some of the most honorable and trusted institutions have no longer any credibility. The doctor-patient relationship, as a result of COVID, has been terribly eroded. The news media is now considered fake news by most people. We have men pretending to be women and women pretending to be men. And then we have people telling children, you can be whichever you want to be. People are told to live your truth, whatever that is. Which basically, I think, means do whatever feels good. Which, again, doesn't lead to anything good in the long run. Add to that liberal so-called churches who ignore the truth altogether. They don't teach from the Bible. They don't preach the truth. 
In fact, they refuse to because they no longer agree with it. We are living in a day of incredible deception. Who can you trust? Some years ago, the United Press International reported this prayer by the chaplain of the Kansas Senate. It goes like this. Omniscient Father, help us to know who is telling the truth. One side tells us one thing and the other side just the opposite. And if neither side is telling the truth, we would like to know that too. And if each side is telling half the truth, give us the wisdom to put the right halves together again. In Jesus' name, amen. You can see why this senator would come up with a prayer like that, can't you? It's hard to determine who's telling the truth anymore. According to the Bible, the very nature of the end times, which I believe we are entering, the very nature of them is a great deception. Days of great deception. In 1 Timothy 4.1, it says, But the Spirit explicitly says that in the latter times, some will fall away from the faith, paying attention to deceitful spirits and doctrines of demons. While living in the city of Rome over 2,000 years ago, the Apostle Paul says it this way in Romans 1. They exchanged the truth of God for a lie. And worshiped and served what was created instead of the creator, who is praised forever. Amen. So it's not surprising that when it comes to honoring the truth, as Jesus is laying out his sort of manifesto here in the Sermon of the Mount, that he is going to hold his followers to the highest of standards. So let's read what he says to his disciples in Matthew chapter 5, verse 33 through 37. Now, if you would pick up your Bible and read it with me, I'd love that. Meaning you read along with me. Meaning with your mouth. I want these words to come out of your mouth just as they are coming out of my mouth. Matthew chapter 5. Verse 33 through 37. It's a little paragraph here in our, in our pew Bible. The paragraph says, tell the truth. So let's begin. Verse 33. Again, you have heard that it was said to our ancestors, you must not break your oath, but you must keep your oaths to the Lord. But I tell you, don't take an oath at all either by heaven, because it is God's throne, or by earth, because it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, because it is the city of the great king. Do not swear by your head, because you cannot make a single hair white or black or grow. But let your yes be, mean yes, and your no mean no. Everything, anything more than that comes from the evil one. All right. Thank you. Thank you for doing that with me. When Jesus says in verse 33, you have heard it said to your ancestors. For us as New Testament believers, that draws us back to the Old Testament. 
Now, we may not be Jewish by, by genetics, but by faith, we have the Old Testament as the foundation for the New Testament. And all throughout the Old Testament, multiple times, God refers to his law, which forbids lying. For his people, as he set up the Mosaic law in Sinai, as he brought them out of, out of Egypt and, and formed Israel into his nation, he gave them parameters in which to live in, to, to, to live at peace with, with himself, but to live at peace with one another and even with their neighbors. And within that law, he buried again and again this idea that truthfulness is the standard. Truthfulness will pay off. Truthfulness will be a blessing to you and to your families. In Leviticus 19, Leviticus is the book of the law. It's part of the, the, the beginning there. He says, do not act deceptively or lie to one another. And the third commandment out of the Ten Commandments is do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. Deuteronomy 5.11. But there's many other references throughout the Old Testament, which we won't take time to look at. But God has always been a God who wants truthfulness from his people. Let's unpack why. You see, this idea of taking the Lord's name in vain, maybe, maybe we've just sort of um, mellowed it out a little bit. It just means like, well, don't swear. Don't, don't swear. Don't say, you know, his name as a swear word. But that's not exactly what Jesus was referring to here or what God is referring to. People in Jesus' time, they thought as long as they swear by something less than God, it's okay to lie, to not keep your promise. But if you take an oath under the name of God, that means you're serious, and it's a serious offense to break God's law. They believed that. So the Jews had by this time come up with this elaborate way of shifting their truthfulness and their lying around a little bit. They would swear an oath on Jerusalem. Like I swear on Jerusalem or on the temple or even on the gold in the temple. They'd make these vows these vows were meant to be promises, promises that they would keep. So Jesus is confronting their hypocrisy when it comes to taking these oaths or making these promises. It was common for them to say, as sure as the Lord lives, I will do this for you. Our version of that is, I swear to God, this is true. Some of us, that's part of our vernacular, right? That's how we still speak when we're trying to convince someone of truthfulness. The kid version of this is the pinky swear. I pinky swear. And then you lock, lock your pinkies together. Or when I was a kid, it was cross my heart, hope to die, stick a needle. Yeah. I won't say the other part. You know it. Oaths in Jesus' name were commonly abused as well in Jesus' day. People would take an oath and then break it for any kind of reason. Oath-taking had become lie-making instead of promoting the truth. And it just promoted more skepticism, distrust. Dishonesty builds distrust and disrespect. Instead of a sign of integrity, 
taking an oath, making a promise, actually pointed to deceit. Why do you have to promise on your mother's grave? Does that mean you're not really going to do it? There was this deep sense of, of untruthfulness and, and, and distrust and skepticism that Jesus had to deal with. And so he rebukes the leaders because they were leading in this. In fact, you can see that if you turn in your Bible down to, uh, not Acts, sorry, that's stuck in my vernacular now. Uh, Matthew chapter 23, verse 16. When he's, when he's speaking very harshly to the, to the religious leaders and calling them hypocrites, he, he harps on this idea that they had laid out for the people. See, the people were following them, and they were doing the wrong thing. And so he had to go back to the source, which is the leadership, and bring them back to truthfulness. And so in verse 16 of chapter 23 in Matthew, he says, Woe to you, blind guides, who say, Whoever takes an oath by the temple, it means nothing. But whoever takes an oath by the gold in the temple is bound to his oath. See, they, they put together this elaborate way of trying to figure out who's telling the truth and who's not telling the truth because nobody knew who was telling the truth anymore. Verse 17, blind fools. He's already called them blind guides, and now he's gone a step further. Blind fools. For which is greater, the gold or the temple that sacrificed the gold? Also, whoever takes an oath by the altar, it means nothing. This is also what they were teaching. But whoever takes an oath by the gift that is, that is on the altar is bound to that oath. Blind people, he says, verse 19. For which is greater, the gift or the altar that sanctifies the gift? Therefore, the one who takes an oath by the altar takes an oath by it and by everything on it. And the one who takes an oath by the temple takes an oath by it and by him who dwells in it. And the one who takes an oath by heaven takes an oath by God's throne and by him who sits on it. He takes a long time to address this issue with them because they were so off base. He's telling the people basically that their word has become meaningless. And when they associate themselves as God's people and their integrity is so off base, they fail to be people of integrity. So as representatives of God, they were failing to represent God, his character, his truthfulness, his honesty. This is a big problem. Because when the church, when the people that make up the church have no integrity, and the culture around them desperately needs to hear the truth but they can't be trusted, there's a problem. The truth can't go forth because there's something in the way. And so Jesus addresses this issue, and we are here this morning addressing this issue because we want to be able to go out into the world and tell people the truth about Jesus Christ. But if what comes out of the other side of our mouth is never truthful, how or why would they listen to us? Why would they believe us? This is a big issue for the kingdom of God. These aren't little white lies that don't mean anything. They mean something. 
they're connected directly with the gospel. The ability to proclaim the truth of Jesus means you are a truthful person. So this huge problem, Jesus is not saying that we should never make a promise in this passage. What he's saying is that no matter what you swear to or by, whether it's earth or temple or God or your mother's grave, it all belongs to God. And therefore, all of your promises that you make are before God. And your word should be binding. You should keep your word. He's saying that God is everywhere, and God is in every conversation. And if you think that you have found some clever or elaborate way of making your lying okay, and that you can still be a good witness for God at the same time, you're fooling yourself. We're fooling ourselves. Lying makes God's top ten list of his most hated things. But why? Why? We need to get to the base of understanding God's heart in this in order for us to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and continue to ask him to sanctify us, which means to make us holy, to change us from the inside out. This isn't an outside-in message. This is something that needs to come up through the inside of you, where the Spirit of God is at work. So our question is, why is integrity or truth-telling so important to God? Well, by contrast, let's remember that first of all, Satan is the father of lies. Jesus himself calls Satan the father of lies in John 8, 44. So if you're lying, you're listening to the voice of the enemy of God instead of to the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus refers to the Holy Spirit as the spirit of truth. So you have the father of lies on one side and the spirit of truth on the other and you in the middle. It's kind of like that old cartoon where there's one on each shoulder, right? And the one that you listen to or the one that you follow is the one that your heart is given to. The one that your heart is following after. So the critical part of all of this is that we are called to be salt and light in the world. We just learned that last week. This is something that is part of Jesus' message to his disciples. So to be salt or even to be light in the world, we have to be truthful. We have to be honest. He's entrusted his church with his truth. Here is my truth, the word of God, and I entrust it to you. So go and tell the truth. Go and make disciples of all nations, teaching them what I have said. Well, in order for teaching to take place, you have to talk to people. You have to build relationship with people. You have to have a relationship where they're willing to receive from, me, from you because you can't teach someone who, who doesn't really want to hear from you. You can't teach someone that's like, yeah, right, right, mister, you know, where they've already written you off. You can teach people who have an open heart. You can teach people who, who trust you to tell them whatever it is you're teaching, to show them whatever it is you're trying to show them, that you're not somebody out there trying to pull the wool over their eyes, to trick them, to manipulate them, to, to get them to do what you want them to do. 
It's too much of that in the world. The world's full of it. And so we need to be the people of God who hold truthfulness and truth at a high priority because God does. As Christian witnesses, we have to be people of impeccable character. This is not an easy thing for us because we are flesh and blood. We struggle with our flesh. But when it comes to our truthfulness, this is a matter of life and death for other people. There are those who don't know the gospel of Jesus. They have not met him as their personal savior. And they are dependent on us to tell them the truth. In order for them to receive anything from us, we have to be honest people who they trust to tell them the truth and to guide them and to teach them in God's word. Lying destroys our purpose. Our purpose is to be truth tellers. And lying destroys that and cuts people off from the glory of the gospel. You see, truth and honesty matter because the gospel matters. It's not a little thing. Salvation is the whole thing. Salvation is everything for those who are lost. Amen? And for those who are saved, it's still everything. But for those who are lost, salvation is everything. It's not a small thing. It's not a little white thing. It's a big thing. And so Jesus, he knows that his people need to be people of integrity and people of truthfulness so that as he gives them the truth, they can then take it and not change it and not twist it, which is a lot of that happening, but keep it, cherish it, and continue to share it in honest and open relationships. You see, dishonesty undermines all relationships. It ruins our credibility. And it is contrary to God's character. It's not who God is. Scripture says, our God cannot lie. He does not lie. He tells the truth. He is the truth. If you don't believe me, just think back to the first few chapters of the chapter of Acts. There were these two characters, Ananias and Sapphira. What did they do? They stretched the truth. They lied. What happened to Ananias and Sapphira? Boom! Right? We all, like are stirred up by that story. Right? Oh, it sounds very Old Testament or whatever, but there's a point to that story. They lied. Lying matters to God. God didn't care about their property. God didn't care about the money that they, that they had siphoned off for themselves. God did not care about that, nor does he care about that. He owns everything anyway, and if he wants it, he'll take it. He has the power to do that. What he cared about was their integrity. And from the very roots, the very bottom of the roots of that seed of the church that was starting to grow there in the book of Acts, that plant that Jesus had carefully planted in his disciples and he wanted it to grow and he wanted it to grow healthy, 
it was kind of like it got a disease and he had to prune off that branch so it didn't spread to the rest of the, the tree. Any of you gardeners out there, you understand, right? Sometimes there's something, you don't want to cut off that branch, but you know you're better because it's spreading. It's spreading down the branch and it's going to get to the other branches and pretty soon the whole thing is going to flop. So integrity matters because to God, he is a God of truth. So Jesus in his Sermon on the Mount, he wants to make it perfectly clear that those who live in his kingdom, they need to be trustworthy and truthful people. They need to be a people who are known for their honesty and their truthfulness. And in a world that's overflowing with lies and overflowing with liars, Jesus says that those who live in his kingdom, who want to represent him here on earth, are to be people of truth. People who don't need to swear by something in order to get people to believe them. See, if you're a believable person... People aren't skeptical about what you say. They're not always saying, hmm, I wonder. You know, when you open your mouth, they're not saying, yeah, I'm not so sure. And then you sense that, right? This is where we get this idea that you have to convince someone to believe you, right? You're just, you know, telling somebody, oh, this happened. Oh, we had this in our neighborhood recently. I'll tell you. Um, there's a kid up the street who lives a few houses on the other side, and he saw a bear, right? Now, he's 20 years old or so, and, and he saw a bear, and he, and, and he was telling us it was like on my patio, and I had to run, and it chased me, and, I'll, and we're like, hmm. Now, not because of his character or anything, I just don't know him that well, right? But he had proof. He had a picture of the bear in our neighborhood. It wasn't running after him growling, but it was at least there, right? So that helped to, to give him some credibility. But when we're not believed, or when people sort of say, eh, I'm not so sure, Sometimes we're tempted to say, I swear it's true, right? So, so that's what Jesus is addressing here. You don't need to be that kind of people because if you're honest all the time, when you speak, people, they believe you because you've been believable. You've had credibility. You've, you've built up a relationship where you were honest all the time with them. And so they're not, they're not expecting you to be dishonest, in fact, it would be so out of character for you to be dishonest that they trust you. This is, this is about relationship. This is about building relationship with people. And as we live in this world as salt and light, as God's agents of change, we need to be people of integrity. We need to walk in the truth. We need to speak the truth. We need to be truthful people even when it hurts. We need to be the people that when we tell them the good news of the gospel, when we tell them that there is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord, and all they have to do is confess their sins, and he's faithful, and he's just, and he forgives all our sins, and he washes them all away, and we are cleansed, and we are brought into his family, adopted as sons and daughters forever, and nothing can snatch us out of his hands. When we tell them that, because we are believable, because we have not lied to them about this thing or that thing or this other thing or, or stretched the truth, so, truth over here, they believe it. They're able to step into by trusting the people of God. Now, the church has been through some tough times in history. 
The church has veered off into other things that, that were not gospel-oriented. The church has done things in the name of God that should have never been done in the name of God. And so the church already has sort of a black eye in the culture, right? We are here now to give it a good standing, to give it a good place. And we do that through the way we live, the way we talk, the way we tell stories, the way that we communicate with people. God wants to use us to bring the truth of God into the world. So that's why he says that swearing about something is sort of a a pathetic attempt to make people believe you. The only reason to do it is that you know that your simple truth isn't going to be believed. But Jesus says in verse 37, all you need to say is simply yes or no. And anything beyond that comes from the evil one. Now, that's an interesting thing, but the evil one, we already know, is the father of lies. So anything that you have to add to doesn't come from God. God is truthful, and he's to the point. So I'll end with this this morning. Did you know that being honest, being truthful people, is actually part of that armor of God that protects you from the evil one? When you tell the truth, you're protected. You haven't invited Satan in. In Ephesians chapter 6, where we get that imagery that Paul painted for us so beautifully with his words about the armor of God, he goes through each piece, the the helmet, you know, the sword, the shield, even, even the sandals on your feet. There is a piece of that armor. He says, stand therefore with the truth like a belt around your waist. And the belt is what held all those things together, the breastplate of righteousness. The sword is sort of hooked on the side there. It's held by the belt. When soldiers fought, they took their long robes and rolled them up and tucked them in so that they could move their legs and maneuver, right? So it helped them to fight. So this idea that truthfulness is tied around your waist and it holds everything together makes a lot of sense for a Roman soldier. But let's reverse it for a second. Dishonesty makes it all fall apart. You take off your belt, some of us, your pants will fall right down, right? It all falls apart when you start lying, when you start twisting the truth, when you start manipulating people. It all falls apart. All your relationships fall apart. Your, your, your desire to get people to follow you falls apart because you've been dishonest. It takes a long time to rebuild trust, doesn't it? Long time. Because people have long memories, unfortunately. So this belt of truth is, is so important to the church. So important that we'd spend a whole morning talking about it. Uncomfortable as it makes us, it's important to hear it. Like I said, sometimes salt in a wound hurts at first, but it's going to heal you. If you begin to ask God, by the power of his spirit, to cleanse you from any unrighteousness, including untruthfulness. You will be a better witness for him, a believable witness for him. The effect that he can have on people through you will be multiplied because you're a trustworthy person. And as a church, we're a trustworthy people. We're not out to trick people and manipulate people and get them to do what we want. We're not, out to, we're not out for any of that. We're out for the glory of God. 
for the building of the kingdom, for the rescuing of those who are lost and bringing them into the family of faith. Finally, I want you to turn to Jesus' own words, his own prayer in the Gospel of John. Gospel of John, we have something so beautiful that's been recorded for us. It's sometimes called his high priestly prayer. It's in um, John chapter 17. And I want you to see just, just in a couple of words of this prayer, not the whole thing because it's long and it's another sermon series, but just in a few words in John chapter 17. In verse 15, Jesus is praying for his disciples here. And he says, I'm not praying that you would take them out of the world. Someday we'll be out of the world. But for now, he needs his disciples here. Here at your workplace. Here in your neighborhood. Here in your family. Sometimes you would like to be out of those places. But he's not praying for you that way. He says, I'm not praying, Father, that you would take them out of the world, but that you would protect them from the evil one. They are not of this world, just as I am not of this world. And here's the key line here in verse 17. Sanctify them by the truth. Your word is truth. As you have sent me into the world, I also have sent them into the world. I sanctify myself for them so that they also may be sanctified by the truth. Now, sanctified is a fancy word for being set aside, being, being made holy, being, being something that God has created for purpose. And so he sets you aside from others and other situations and puts you here so he can use you for his purposes. The fancy word is holy. So to be made holy. Now we know we're not perfect, but we know by being with Christ, by letting his truth, his word, his people of truth into our lives to influence us and keep us changing, keep us being transformed, more into the image of God, not into the image of this world. He will use us in this world for his purpose. He sent us into the world to bring Christ to those who are lost. We are sanctified by our time with God and in his presence and in his word, in prayer, in worship, as the Spirit does its mysterious work of changing us, of making us more like Jesus. So if you want to become more like Jesus, spend more time with Jesus. Now, you can't be in church all the time. It doesn't mean that. What it means is read his word, meditate on his word, work it into your life in some way, on some regular basis, so that truth comes in and transforms you. And it sets you free from lies. That's what truth does. It's powerful stuff. So if you desire to be salt and light, if you desire for God to use you in this world, you've got to be a truthful person. The only way to become a truthful person is to be surrounded by his truth, to buckle it on like a belt every day so your pants or your skirt don't fall down. 
Amen.